to the podcast, Biblical Question. We are excited you've taken time out of your day to listen to our podcast. For more information about us, you may visit our website at biblicalquestion.com. We will tell you the web address again at the show's end. We encourage you to open your Bible and follow along as we study the Bible. Now here is your host, Joseph. Well, hello there, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for that introduction. We hope and pray that all is well with you and your family as we are almost uh, halfway through summer, maybe a little more, the first of August here. We uh, certainly hope and pray that all is well with you. We know many people are getting busy now, getting ready to put their kids back in school here in the United States and buying clothes for their kids and school supplies. And But I uh, wanted to stop and just pause and talk about declaring freedom, our independence, and if you would open your Bible, I I certainly think it's the best thing to do. Open your Bible and mark it to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Mm-hmm. And then turn with me to uh, Psalm 33, verse 12. Psalm 33, verse 12. We'll be there in just a moment. We celebrated here about a month ago, 4th of July, the Independence Day here in the United States, about 247 years ago. We uh, celebrated our independence as a nation. The Founding Fathers gave us really this birth certificate. Again, it's known as Independence Day by the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And in that great document that was delivered in 1776, we read a belief that all people have the rights that are given by their Creator. And so, so many young people today do not believe they're being taught that our government was never founded on Christianity, which tells me they've never, ever read the Declaration of Independence. This document only has 1,321 words, 1,321 words. It takes eight minutes to read it. And maybe that's the problem. It's not on a video somewhere. I'm sure it is, but I'm kind of making fun of things. But God is mentioned four times, twice in the beginning and twice in the end. The second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence begins with these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These closing words of their declaration state, With a firm reliance on the protection of the divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor endowed by their creator and divine providence. Both of these statements, I think, are important phrases to point out in the historical fact that, again, that America's is great not by military conquest, a booming economy, but more on the dependence of God himself. We have seemed to have forgotten this in our country today. 
that declaring our independence from England, excuse me, uh, our forefathers made an equally strong declaration of dependence upon God. Who were these men that were willing to sign? Well, they were educated men. They were willing to sacrifice everything for a cause that they believed in. And history would say and show that they really did pay a price for their bravery. Again, I know what's being taught in a lot of the schools across the United States and around the world is these were just rich white men who took advantage of the poor. And that's really not true. We're going to see here 56 people who signed this declaration. Few really lived a long life. Five were captured by the British as traitors, and they were tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary War, and two had their sons captured. Although a few of them benefited from their bravery, most lost everything that they owned. These men were really courageous. They were brave because of them, others have the privilege, and even today, of living what I believe is the greatest country in the world. And I have listeners all around the world. And if you believe your country is the greatest, God be with you. Because I I don't see anything wrong with being uh, proud of who you are, where God placed you on this planet. Psalm 32, verse 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. Again, over the past 200 plus years, we have lived in really a blessed nation. Blessed by God's provisions and protection. And we really need to understand that these blessings are these uh, are not by chance. They're not by accident. They are a direct result in trusting in God. John Adams, one of the great principles on which uh, the uh, Declaration of Independence was penned and, and signed these great principles of Christianity. Adams would go on to say that observing the 4th of July ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. In fact, as John Adams signed the Declaration of Independence, he said, Whether we live or die, sink or swim, succeed or fail, I stand behind this Declaration of Independence. And if God wills it, I'm ready to die in order that this country might experience freedom. It was that kind of patriotism that really led men armed with little more than hunting rifles to engage in a battle which we would become the most powerful nation in the world. Many of our forefathers paid a terrible price in the Revolutionary War. They finally won the victory so that you and I might be citizens of the land of the free and the home of the brave. It is so very important that we remember 
their declaration and their dependence upon God himself. In a time of world turmoil and troubles, the United States today is rapidly forgetting the God of our fathers, the God who, who gave this nation its birth and its greatness. How many of you recognize the name of Patrick Henry? This is a gentleman who said, Give me liberty or give me death. Now listen to his words. He said, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not on religious, but Christians. Not on religions, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. In his last will and testament, he wrote, I now have given everything I own to my children. There's one more thing I wished I could give them, and that is Jesus. Because if, if they have everything I gave them and don't give them Christ, they have nothing. You know, we really live in a nation today that tries to give our kids everything but Christ. The latest clothes, the latest technology, the latest toys, the latest gadget, the latest styles. And our kids and grandkids seem to be involved in every activity under the sun. How many parents I send their kids to church? I, I watch this over the years. But they do not attend church themselves. And really, church becomes more of a babysitting tool than a place of refuge and strength. How many children really have no church home that they really belong to, have discipline in, that are simply just dropped off at the next church for the next activity? And you see, this is what we have become. This is... What happened in our generation? We have told God that we don't need the Bible. We do not need the church. We do not need God in the running of our nation, our schools, and sadly, even in our homes. Our homes are divided religiously and spiritually. Some believe in the home, some don't. Some worship different gods. And But transition this to one of the most defining characters of our nation, and that is of our freedom. The freedom that we have is not something that comes from a document. The document really just simply declared their belief. No, our freedom was bought and paid for at a price for those who were willing to sacrifice for others. Today we enjoy freedom in Christ because of the sacrifice he made for us. Our freedom was, was bought with the cost of his life. Today the gospel of Jesus Christ declares your independence from sin and the freedom through faith in his blood and resurrection. Again, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, 
And do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Paul wrote write these letters to the church and these words to the church to the church in Galatia. That was being told that in order to be saved, you must embrace Judaism. You must become a Jew, they said. And Paul is writing them out of concern for these people because they are being thrown into confusion. And by those trying to pervert the message of the gospel. We have the same thing going on in our world today. There's nothing new under the sun, Solomon said, and he's correct. Today they are trying to sell us this misrepresentation of the gospel and, and rewriting of the history that throwing many into confusion. People don't seem to really want the word. We don't want to know the truth, and therefore many are just being burdened by a yoke of slavery. Just another form of slavery is, is legalism. Works of religion, prosperity gospel, belonging to an organization rather than to a faith. How easy are people being thrown into confusion, believing that they are in fact going to heaven through false teachings and gospel messages? How many are being sold on a false idea of Christ? A false idea of the Bible, a false idea of church, and on false idea, ideas of salvation, simply because we are a biblically ignorant society. I don't have it all figured out. It is a lifelong journey, and it's so important to find a congregation, not a denomination, a congregation that teaches the entire Word of God. From in the beginning, God created to the word Amen in Revelation 21. The purpose of this letter to the church in Galatia was really to clarify the true gospel of Christ. The Galatians had been freed through Christ from idolatry, paganism, and faith in Jesus had given them liberty. And now certain ones, certain people were coming in, trying to get them to trust in a religion. In religious festivals, rituals that were really only a shadow of the good news through Christ. And not God or what Christ did for them on the cross. So... Here's a summed up version of what's saying there is a tyrant. There's a dictator in your life. It just takes. It just corrupts. It is called your sinful nature, your flesh. That dictator will rule your life if you let it. That God did something to set you free from the law of sin and death. You see, God loves you, and he, he made a way for you to be set free. He sent Jesus so that Jesus could die so that you could be set free from this dictator over your soul. Just as those colonists fought for their freedom from the dictator of England, 
God did something revolutionary. He died for rebels. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Romans 8.2 says this. This is the English Standard Version. For the law of spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. In what? I mean, through what? It's through Jesus, our Lord. The patriots of the Revolutionary War declared their independence from the law of England by appealing to a higher law, the will of God. The law of sin and death says, you will live a life of sin and then you will die. There's no hope in any of that. There's no freedom. There's only oppression under the dictator until you die and face judgment. But the law of the spirit of life says, through Christ you can have freedom and eternal life. Appealing to the higher law declares your independence. John chapter 8, John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. Jesus said to the people who believe in him, You are truly my disciples, if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In verse 34, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of a family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Again, if the son sets you free, you are truly free. You see, we have freedom in this country because of a document. That document was very important and it had wonderful words and, and what this country stands for. But that's not where we're going to get our freedom. Our freedom comes from the belief, the faith of those who died, who gave us their lives to protect what those words stood for and stand for even today. Your freedom from sin does not come from a religion, a ritual, or some religious rite. It doesn't come from some document that says, I was baptized on such and such a date. Your freedom comes from faith in Christ, who gave his life for you, and the faith of giving you life to him following, believing in his words that declare your independence, your freedom from sin. You see, many, many of us, although we live in the land of the free, we still feel these chains of slavery as we struggle with many vices and entanglements. We have gotten every convenience of life that surrounds us. We have 
we have a good life, and we're living the American dream. Compared to the rest of the world, we are rich beyond compare with more than enough. And I've been in third world countries, and I can see that. I'm very thankful. And yet, and yet, are we really free? How many are in chains to alcohol, drugs, sex, pornography, hatred, bitterness, to their past, to someone in their past, uh, a family member, a church member, a neighbor. To some, they are, are they worshiping. Are they, are they really bringing them happiness? How many live in the environment or a situation that feels like a hole that they just can't get out of? How many go to bed every night knowing that they are living in a self-made prison cell? With all that we have, we are missing what we truly need. Our freedoms, our blessings are found in Christ. In knowing Christ, in trusting in Christ, then we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. You know, I've heard many, many promises in my lifetime by politicians on both sides of the aisle. And they are always talking their head about what makes this country great. What will make the country great again? And there's really only one thing that will truly make us great again. We can have the strongest military. We can have the most stableist economy. We can have secure borders and safe streets. We can simplify our tax plan, reach out to the poor. We can have the best education system in the world and the most advanced technology. But none of that, none of that would make us great again. Because what is wrong with America is not financial, educational, organizational, or even a lack of safety from our enemy. Those are all symptoms of a greater problem. We have forsaken what our forefathers knew and trusted in the most. We have forgotten the God who blesses us, gives us freedom. Listeners, we need God in America again. Because if America does not turn back to God, then God will judge America. I believe that he truly is right now. I think the wrath of God is being revealed on America. Some people would say, oh, no, that's not true. But read and study Romans chapter 1. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, I know there's lots of people who teach a different thing about Sodom and Gomorrah, and that's a, this is a new teaching that's floating around. But the truth of the matter is God judged them, and part of that judgment was homosexuality. That's why they call it Sodom. I mean, think about it, sodomy. Put it together. You don't have to be a genius to figure all that out. And God 
has spoken very clearly in the Bible. He does not approve of those type of lifestyles. See, there's lots of things that he does approve of. There's lots of things that he does not. And I'm just focusing on one thing. I realize that. But God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And God, at some point, is going to have Sodom and Gomorrah cry out to them on Judgment Day and say, Hey, you destroyed us for what? And you let that country get by with what? God's not in the apology business, folks. Yes, he's in the forgiveness business, but he's not in the apology business. And if he has to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah, that means he made a mistake. He judged them wrong or too harshly over another country. And at some point, God's, God's really going to hurt us bad. And it could be right around the corner. It could be years from now. It may not happen if we would repent as a nation and we would truly stand up for the gospel message and start going to vote, stand up for people who want and teach the truth. I mean, I can get on a rampage here. Do other people have the right to believe what they want and don't believe what they don't want to believe? Sure, God gives them that right, and so does this nation. But there will be consequences. Thomas Jefferson said these profound words. God who gave us life gave us liberty. And can the liberties of a nation through secure when we removed only from a firm basis a conviction in minds of people that these liberties are a gift of God, that they are not to be violated, but with his wrath. Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Even Jefferson got it. And I've read stories about Jefferson was really an, uh, an atheist. He really didn't believe in God. But, well, you read this statement, and you're going to have a different thought, that Jefferson really believed in the God of the Bible. How deep his faith and belief was, I don't know. But I do know he is referencing the God of judgment of the Bible. The same God who saved us from on the cross, it's the same God who destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It is the same God who sent the Jewish people into captivity because of their idol worship and thinking, well, as long as God lives in this temple here in Jerusalem, he'll never allow the enemy to come in and destroy. And we have so many other examples that God will allow us to be destroyed by our own sinful, lustful, idolatry, greediness as a nation. I certainly hope that you would really truly find a congregation that's teaching the absolute complete truth. 
They are teaching salvation in Christ, the blood of Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ. They are teaching how great the patriarchs were in their sinful things and the things that God they had to ask for forgiveness for. I've tried really hard over the last four years or so to to have a balance in this podcast. And I notice high numbers if I talk about something ooey and gooey and happy and go lucky and all that. And I notice the numbers really fall when I talk about this type of stuff. People don't want to hear this. The problem is this is part of the truth. The truth is, yep, David was a sinner. He was a murderer, but God forgave him. That's, that's the good news. You could have lived a horrible life, and God will forgive you if you truly repent and turn to him. And the same is true for a nation. You can see where David had sinned and God sent a plague and killed thousands of people with a plague. You can see that with Moses, where God would send plagues and snakes to, to bite people and they choked on quail because of their sinful hearts. It was their heart that was just in the wrong place. It wasn't that they were eating quail that God gave them. It was what was in their heart. That they longed for the sinful life of Egypt. David was told not to count the people in the census, and he did it anyway. David knew he was sinning by sleeping with Bathsheba. I mean, we have these examples of people who have fallen away, fallen flat on their face, and got up and asked for forgiveness. And God is forgiven. Well, I know the 4th of July was over a month ago, and I apologize that I really didn't put this out in around the 4th of July. Some things got away from me, time, and uh, we've just had a lot of issues here, and I certainly appreciate everybody who calls and checks on me, emails me, prays for me. Know this, I pray for the listeners of this podcast every day. I pray that God is watching over you and protecting you. Uh, we have many listeners that are in persecuted parts of the world who still listen to this podcast. And so I, I pray for them, too. And I want to thank each and every one of you who, who financially helped trying to keep uh, the podcast bills paid. Uh, deeply appreciative of that. And if you would like to really help, I didn't put any ads in this uh, particular podcast. I'm kind of phasing those out anyway. I just really hope and trust that you as a listener, if you are listening and you enjoy this podcast, that you would help. It doesn't matter how small or how big the, your gift is. It helps, and I promise you that it all goes to pay the bills. Again, I want to thank you for listening. May God bless you, and may He have the glory. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to hit the like button and follow us on your podcasting app. Please check out our website at biblicalquestion.com. All one word, all lowercase. In addition, we have a prayer request page, a way of contacting us, 
a statement of faith, and other resources for our listeners. Do you have a Bible question you would like answered on a future podcast or prayer request? We would be honored to hear from you and add your prayer request to our list so others may pray for you. Subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on our social media accounts. Again, that is biblicalquestion.com. Thank you and may he have the glory.